Crime Happens contains coarse language, adult themes, and content of a violent and disturbing nature. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Happens, where we uncover the evil that surrounds us. I'm your host, Chris. chance meeting on a local city bus resulted in the murder of a young woman. Andrew Jackson met Bovey Lamont Combs and Shakura Danielle Clanton while riding the local city buses in Kansas City, Missouri, where they lived to get around town. Their chance meeting resulted in the murder of Delisha R. Williams, a woman Combs had met earlier at one of the bus stops he frequented. On the day she was murdered, Delisha Williams was only 29 years old. Her 30th birthday was just a few months away on December 11th. Andrew Jackson, at 42 years old, was the oldest member of this murdering trio. Bovie Combs was 29 and Shakur Clanton was 22. All four of these individuals were living in very close proximity to each other in Kansas City, Missouri which is only about five miles from the Kansas state line. Bovey Combs decided that he wanted to kill Delisha Williams because he believed she had been involved in the death of his sister. He planned to kill her and steal her big screen TV and other furniture and household items. Shakura Clanton, who was Combs' girlfriend, agreed to help him murder Delisha Williams and steal her belongings. They originally planned to poison Williams with strychnine, but weren't able to get a hold of any. Since they couldn't get their hands on any strychnine, they moved to Plan B and called an acquaintance for some help. On June 4, 2001, Clanton rented a U-Haul truck using Combs' money. They wanted the truck to carry the stolen property from Williams' house. After picking up the truck, Combs and Clanton returned to Clanton's house. Back at the house, Combs called Jackson, an acquaintance he had met while riding the bus, and asked him, if he were to kill someone, how would he do it? Combs then paged Williams several times and waited at Clanton's house until 9.30 p.m. when Williams finally returned Combs' page. They wanted to make sure she was home before going over to her place. Combs and Clanton then drove to Jackson's apartment to pick him up. When Combs and Clanton arrived, Jackson produced a syringe and a white chemical substance he had prepared for them. Jackson told them to stick Williams with the syringe and she would die. Clanton stated that Jackson told Combs all he had to do was, quote, stick her with the syringe, just stick her with it and she will, once it gets in her system, she will, Eventually, it will eat up her system and she will pass out or she will die, unquote. According to Clanton's testimony, Combs asked Jackson, You're not going with us? Jackson responded, I'm in for the night, you know, you all waited too late. 
Although Jackson initially decided not to go with Combs and Clanton because he thought they had waited until it was too late, he later changed his mind and joined them after all. They all got into the U-Haul truck and drove to Delisha Williams' house. As the trio was pulling up to Williams' house, they noticed a car in the driveway with its lights on. Not wanting to pull in while someone else was there, they drove past the house a couple of blocks before turning around and coming back. When they returned, the car was gone. With the coast clear, Clanton parked the U-Haul truck and Combs walked up and knocked on Williams' door. While Combs was at the front door, Williams' cousin walked up to the door and stood beside him. He'd been in a minor car accident and needed a ride home. Williams opened the front door and greeted both Combs and her cousin. After chatting briefly, Combs walked back to the U-Haul truck with Williams' cousin in tow and told Clanton and Jackson to drive Williams' cousin home. He planned to stay and hang out with Williams. After taking Williams' cousin home, Clanton and Jackson joined Combs and Williams back at her house. Williams wasn't expecting guests and didn't have anything for them to drink, so Jackson decided to take a short walk to a nearby convenience store and bought some soda and cigarettes for himself. After visiting with Combs, Clanton, and Jackson for a while, Williams said she was tired and decided to go to bed. She was kind enough to invite the trio to spend the night at her house. Combs, Clanton, and Jackson waited for Williams to fall asleep so they could inject her with the poisonous chemical in the syringe that Jackson had given them. Once she was asleep, Combs and Jackson pounced on her. Jackson hit Williams in the head with a rubber mallet to knock her out and then told Combs to get the syringe from his coat pocket. However, Jackson broke the syringe before he could inject Williams. While this assault is taking place, Clanton is standing right there watching everything. Williams was struggling violently with Jackson. She literally fought for her life. She fought so hard that she and Jackson fell off the bed and onto the floor. They fought for several minutes on the floor, leaving Williams' blood splattered across her bed, her floor, her walls, and other articles in her room. While they were on the floor, the fighting continued until Jackson was eventually able to subdue Williams. Without a syringe to poison Williams, Combs suggested that Jackson strangle her. Combs found an extension cord and gave it to Jackson. Jackson broke the extension cord before he could strangle Williams, so he asked Combs for another one. Before Combs could find another extension cord, Jackson told Combs that he was tired from struggling with Williams. So Combs suggested that Jackson stab Williams, but Jackson told Combs that if he wanted Williams dead, he would have to do it himself. So, Combs took a knife and began slashing and stabbing Williams using so much force he bent the knife. While Combs went to the kitchen to get another knife, Williams managed to crawl out of her bedroom and into the hallway. Combs slashed at Williams again and kicked her in the face and the stomach. At this point, Williams appeared to be unconscious, lying in a puddle of blood in the hallway. She had multiple injuries to her head, neck, and shoulders caused by the blunt force impacts, the attempted strangulation, and the stabbings and slashes with the knife. When it appeared to the trio that Williams was dead, Combs, Jackson, and Clanton 
began loading up the U-Haul. Combs wanted to have all of Williams' things loaded into that U-Haul before Williams' mother returned home from work. These maniacs just left Williams lying in the hallway and began loading her things into the back of the truck. They took her big screen TV, two smaller TVs, a video cassette recorder, several telephones, and a few other household appliances. Their final act, before leaving the home of Delisha Williams, was to load Williams herself into the back of the U-Haul truck. Jackson told police that Williams walked to the back of the U-Haul truck and Combs threw her in. He's obviously lying because there is no way that Williams was able to walk anywhere. Clanton and Combs drove Jackson back to his apartment. When they arrived, Jackson climbed into the back of the U-Haul and retrieved a small television to take with him. Just before he turned to go to his apartment, Jackson told Combs to never call again and you never heard of me. Sure, that's going to happen. Combs and Clanton waste no time in throwing Jackson under the bus. When questioned by police, Combs stated that Jackson knew Williams was alive in the back of the U-Haul when they dropped him off at his apartment. When Jackson got in to help himself to a TV before going into his apartment, he definitely would have seen Williams lying in the back of that U-Haul truck. Jackson knew that the brutal beating, stabbing, and strangulation he and Combs had inflicted on Williams left her in a completely vulnerable state. She was no longer capable of defending herself. She was barely alive. Her current condition only made it that much easier for Combs and Clanton to finish her off in any way they wanted. Even though Clanton and Combs had dropped Jackson off at his apartment and they all went their separate ways, he knew they were kidnapping Williams. Jackson knew that Combs and Clinton had Williams in the back of the U-Haul. Jackson knew that Combs planned to get a padlock for the back of the U-Haul and actually told police about it during his interrogation. Even with this knowledge, Jackson made no attempt to rescue Williams from the U-Haul truck and did absolutely nothing to prevent her impending death. In fact, he most likely stepped over her to get his little TV out of the back of the U-Haul. He didn't offer to take Williams with him when he got out of the U-Haul. He didn't encourage Combs and Clanton to let Williams go, and he certainly didn't call the police to let them know that Williams was being held against her will in the back of the U-Haul truck. Instead, Jackson told Combs to get rid of his telephone number, not to call him anymore, and forget he ever knew Jackson. Jackson knew that Combs and Clinton had every intention of keeping her captive in that U-Haul until they could finish what they started. Murdering Delisha Williams. Combs and Clinton then drove to a nearby store and purchased a padlock for the back of the U-Haul before driving back to Clinton's house. After staying at Clinton's house for about 30 minutes, Combs and Clanton left in the U-Haul truck to deliver the big screen TV to Combs' uncle. While they were driving, Clanton said she could hear Williams' screams coming from the back of the U-Haul. Combs suggested that Clanton find a wooded area to dump Williams' body, so Clanton drove to a wooded area near Washington High School in Kansas City, Kansas. 
That's right across the Kansas City, Missouri state line. Clanton and Combs climbed in the back of the U-Haul and threw her body from the truck. Combs said in his videotaped statement that he heard Williams wheezing when he removed her body from the back of the U-Haul. They proceeded to hit her in the head with a large log and then drove back and forth over her upper torso with the truck four times. Then they dragged her battered body down a hill into the woods. Dr. Donald Pojman, who performed the autopsy on Delisha Williams, was able to confirm that she was alive when she was run over. He testified that despite the many horrific injuries that Williams sustained, her death was ultimately caused by the crushing injuries to her chest and abdomen resulting from being run over by that big-ass U-Haul truck. Can you imagine? Combs and Clanton were arrested within hours of the murder by Kansas City, Missouri police, who were investigating a burglary and a missing person report filed by Delisha Williams' godmother. At the time of their initial questioning, all that had been reported was a burglary and that Delisha was missing. Combs was questioned by Detective Brian Bell, beginning at approximately 11.30 a.m. At that time, Williams' body had not been found yet. Shakora Clanton was being questioned at the same station and at the same time as Combs, but in a different room. As the questioning proceeded, based on Clanton's statements, Detective Bell concluded that Combs may have been involved in Williams' disappearance, so he went ahead and gave Combs a Miranda warning. Subsequently, both Combs and Clanton gave statements to the police implicating Jackson. Jackson turned himself in to the Kansas City, Missouri police just a few days later. Later that day, while Combs and Clanton were being interrogated, the Kansas City, Kansas police discovered the battered and mutilated body of Delisha Williams. She was dead. Shakora Clanton testified extensively against both Jackson and Combs. Combs, in turn, testified at his own trial, placing the blame for Williams' death squarely on the shoulders of Jackson and Clanton. In the murder of Delisha Williams, there were two crime scenes, and over 350 exhibits were ultimately admitted in the trials. The evidence linking Combs to the death of Delisha Williams was overwhelming. There was DNA evidence showing that Williams' blood was on Combs' pants, shoes, and jacket, and on a knife found in Combs' possession. Combs' footprints were identified from bloody prints found inside Williams' house and muddy prints found inside the U-Haul. The police also found a backpack inside Clanton's house containing some of the property they had stolen from Williams' home. As part of his defense, Jackson tried to argue that he was compelled to beat and strangle Williams because he was afraid of Combs. Wow, really? Jackson claimed that he was acting under duress and parted ways with Combs and Clanton as soon as he could prior to them crossing the state line over to Kansas, where they murdered Williams. But, in reality, Jackson actually had 
two opportunities to escape from Combs, once when Jackson and Clanton drove Williams's cousin home, and again when Jackson went to the convenience store alone for soda and cigarettes. Obviously, Jackson didn't use either one of these opportunities to get away from Combs. So, clearly, he's lying. According to court documents, it is stated that because Jackson had a reasonable opportunity to escape and avoid any criminal acts with Combs and Clanton and to summon law enforcement, he cannot invoke a compulsion defense. Jackson also tried to deny involvement in a conspiracy to commit murder, but Clanton's testimony supports the conclusion that Jackson was involved in the conspiracy, starting with the initial phone call he received from Combs. Clanton testified that when she and Combs arrived at Jackson's apartment a few hours after the phone call to pick him up, he already had a small bottle with a white substance and a syringe prepared. Clanton recalled that Jackson told Combs that all he had to do was stick her with the syringe, just stick her with it, and eventually it will eat up her system and she will pass out or she will die. The fact that Jackson had already prepared the substance and the syringe and used the reference to she in Jackson's directions to Combs infer that Jackson was already part of the plan to kill Williams right from the start. Jackson admits that the murder of Delisha Williams was especially heinous, atrocious, and cruel, but he claims that all the especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel actions were committed by Combs and Clanton rather than himself. Both Combs and Jackson state in their appeals that jurisdiction for their cases were in error. Jackson states that he cannot be tried for murder in Kansas because he was never there. Combs states that Kansas has no jurisdiction because Williams was already dead in Missouri. Jackson's jurisdiction stands as he is convicted for murder under the aiding and abetting clause, so he doesn't need to be there. Combs's jurisdiction stands as it is confirmed that Williams was alive when the U-Haul truck ran over her in Kansas. In addition, Jackson actually had the nerve to testify that he tried to help Williams. Jackson said that he told Williams to play like she was dead and that he would call an ambulance. But Jackson never did call an ambulance and he never contacted the police. In the end, all appeals were lost and convictions upheld. Shakora Clanton was convicted of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder at the very young age of 22. It's not clear why she wasn't charged with kidnapping too, but she may have made a deal for a lighter sentence if she testified against Jackson and Combs. She's been in prison for almost 20 years now. While in prison, Shakora Clanton was fortunate enough to be enrolled in the Last Mile program. In this program, inmates are taught computer programming skills. They spend their days studying coding, learning new programming languages, and the intricacies of developing successful websites, hoping one day to land lucrative jobs in the tech industry. The program helps them find jobs close to where they will be living after they're released. Clanton said, quote, It might sound far-fetched, but going to prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
If I hadn't come to prison, I could have been dead. My life would have really been messed up. Hmm, like Delisha Williams, perhaps? I have changed dramatically in prison. My mindset, my thought process, the people I hang around with, the things that I'm doing here and now, I'm determined to do great things when I get out. When I was out on the street, I wasn't like that. I had to learn how to figure it out on my own. Instead of being shown or told how to do it, Clanton was reduced to tears as she described her journey. I really struggle with that. Unquote. It sounds like she's really trying to improve herself while serving her sentence, but if you look at her list of offenses while in prison, she is obviously struggling to stay out of trouble. Her earliest release date from the Topeka Correctional Facility is June 1st, 2024. She'll be 45 years old at that time. Bovie Combs and Andrew Jackson were both convicted of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and kidnapping. Bovie Combs was 29 years old when he was arrested for Delisha Williams' murder. He had been convicted of five previous felonies in Missouri, showing he was familiar with the criminal justice system. Combs's nickname is New York. He apparently has some relation to rap singer Sean John Combs, the American rapper, also known by his stage name, Puff Daddy. He was sentenced to a hard 50 life sentence plus 59 months imprisonment. He's currently serving this sentence in the state of Virginia with no release date listed. Andrew Jackson, a.k.a. Shorty, was 42 years old at the time of his arrest. He had four prior convictions, three for burglary and one for driving while intoxicated. Jackson also received a hard 50 life sentence. Ten years into his sentence on January 3, 2012, Andrew Jackson died while incarcerated. No cause of death is listed. The lives of these four people have been destroyed, and for what? Combs claims to have wanted retribution for the death of his sister. Clanton wanted to help her boyfriend in any way she could. In the end, they basically tortured and murdered a young woman and walked away with nothing but a few household items. But what about Jackson? Jackson came away with one small TV. He murdered a woman and got one small TV for his efforts, spent 10 years in prison, and then died. Why did he agree to help these people to murder someone? His past record wasn't great, but it wasn't violent. He was already in for the night. When I'm in for the night, it would take a stick of dynamite to get me to go out. His involvement just doesn't make sense. In fact, this whole tragic event makes absolutely no sense. You hear the expression senseless murder all the time. This is a perfect example. Thanks again for tuning in to Crime Happens. All episodes are researched, written, recorded, and audio mixed by me. <gasps> Crime Happens is available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can visit our website at crimehappens.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at crime underscore happens. I'll be back very soon with an all new episode. Until then, take care. <laughs> <laughs>